The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Vitruvian Man podcast, a podcast centered around self-mastery. I am your host, Zach Schenken. Today, I am joined by my friend, Ash. He is a 24-year-old entrepreneur from the Netherlands whose mission it is to spread the word about reality creation. Ash was previously active in the NFT market, founding a big project in the space, but after the market crash, he decided to pivot into the coaching industry to help people manifest their desired realities instead. Ash specializes in helping entrepreneurs use the power of the law of assumption and the law of attraction to scale their businesses, and he also makes content in the space. Ash, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Zach. I'm super excited that we uh, got to make this happen, and I'm kind of, honestly, it's definitely on me for not reaching out sooner to get this kind of going. I We got to connect it a few months back now time flying but uh we got our little mastermind of coaches um as we're all kind of scaling our businesses together and uh it was awesome to connect and i definitely think you're doing really really cool and important work and i think you have a really interesting perspective and i definitely want to pick your brain about a lot of this stuff and <laughs> I'll, I'll treat it as a free coaching call for myself as much <laughs> as uh the audience as well so i appreciate you let's do it man yeah thanks for having me and uh yeah i uh I've, I've loved uh, lo- knowing you for a few months now. Like you said, time definitely flies. Wow. Uh, and yeah, you're the same same thing here, man. Like you're doing really, really important work. And like you are needed, like masculinity and everything. Like this, these, these are big topics. And I see you talking about this stuff. I see you helping other men. And I respect that, man. So I'm definitely happy to hop on here. And like you said, you can pick my brain. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's it. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think I, I want to kind of kick things off. Um, and I'm sure the the conversation will unfold. I have very limited like written questions, but I do want to hear. Um, I think it's always fascinating when people get into self-development in general to hear where the journey began. So kind of take yeah. me back to the beginning where you're kind of the insecure younger kid. Like what was that journey like? What was your path to self-development? Was there a specific thing that you feel like was a moment where the the switch flipped was it a book a video a specific person a mentor take me through the journey there okay um yeah so i've had a pretty good childhood i would say um like just going out and playing with friends outside and almost always outside and everything was fine and i grew up in this one neighborhood where i had a lot of friends and like I said, everything was fine. School was fine. I was always the kind of protected guy, you know. I was always, I didn't like, I didn't end up in many fights or um, anything like that. I was always just an, around and happy. Um, I think where things definitely changed for me was around the age of thirteen, when we moved to a new neighborhood and where I grew up. The the homes were pretty like small. So at a certain period of time, most of my friends' families, they started just to move out because they got children and they just like it was it was like all of a sudden everybody started to move out. So I just started losing friends. And eventually I was also uh, the next one to move out. So I moved to a new neighborhood 
and at the same time also went from um, elementary school to high school. And I had a lot of issues dealing with that. Uh, it was just like a big shift. And all of a sudden I was in this new neighborhood and we moved in front of a playground, which impacted me as well. Like I didn't know how to, because I was, so what, what basically happened, I grew up um, and the friends that I had were friends that I basically knew from birth or something. Like I don't, I don't even, I can't even remember when I met them. Like we were, were just around in the same neighborhood. So all of a sudden, like I didn't really have like friend making skills <laughs> because of that. Um, so all of a sudden I moved to this new place and I'm, I live in front of a playground with all these new kids. And something happened in me where I just completely switched into an extremely introverted person. And I was kind of scared of them. I developed a really big fear of people looking at me. I would like come home and I would walk past the playground and I had like this insecurity of them looking at me and them judging me them being like oh look that's the new guy instead of actually going up to them and like introducing myself i was just i would make up these scenarios in my head um where i would be in some kind of danger or something and i was just really anxious i was an anxious little kid and yeah in the first year of high school that also showed itself back in in, in the high school itself got bullied a bit um yeah it was just overall like I, I i went through a huge shift and i was at a pretty young age i genuinely felt depressed and uh yeah that that's that's basically where it all started <laughs> um i kind of began began isolating myself a lot and and eventually I went to the second year of high school and things got better on, in, in, with high school, but I still never really like regained any friends outside of school. It was always like, okay, school, I have some friends there, but then I come back home and then all I did was like play video games and just isolate myself and watch YouTube videos. And that pretty much went on for years. Um, got pretty like got extremely addicted actually to youtube uh yeah at one point i would spend like legit like more than 10 hours a day just laying on my back and watching youtube videos uh <laughs> and yeah i was just isolated myself like i said and to be honest when i look back to the to that time frame it all like it kind of hurts because when you're in that space time really flies and you can't really remember anything. I, I, I look back at that, at, at those years and I honestly cannot remember that much. I don't know what I did. I was just in my room <laughs> and that, that, that stayed like that. I, I would say um, until I was like 18 or 19. So around that time when I was 18 or 19, Things got worse. Um, I began questioning reality itself. I and began question. I began questioning my religious upbringing. 
I just began questioning everything. And I ended up in this space where I kind of lost my religion and I turned into a militant atheist. Uh, and then I started researching science and everything. And I was like, man, there's a lot of dogmas in here as well. <laughs> I was like, science also is like, it's also like a religion nowadays. Yeah. So I was like, okay, science, okay. Like, like I, 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 my impression was if I just let go of this religion, I can finally see the truth. And I was like, that has to be science and evolution. <laughs> so I got into it and I was just left with even more questions. Yeah, it, it got it got so bad to where I developed derealization and depersonalization. Wow. How I don't know that, if you've how heard long was this. That period? Uh I, I would say the derealization, which was absolutely horrible. I don't wish it upon my worst enemy. That lasted months. Um and this whole like existential crisis period, I think, was around a year or two, something like this, or one year, I think just over one year. Um, yeah, and, and and got into a pretty bad existential crisis to where I could not like make any sense of anything anymore. I was just like, I, rem I remember at one point looking outside of the window and just looking like looking at cars driving. And I was like, what is that? What is a car driving on a road? What is this road? Like, what is this planet? Mm. What you're, what is like, we're just in floating in infinite space. Like, what is this? And the worst is when you look at your own hands, you're like, what the fuck? I can actually move my hands. What, what is this? Like, <laughs> it's just horrible. And, um, uh, yeah, that's when I really got into like esoteric material. And, the first person was Alan Watts. Mm. I And I recommend Alan Watts to anybody who's suffering from an existential crisis. I think that uh, Alan Watts' material um, is great at stabilizing. It's, it's, I wouldn't say it's good for reality creation, which we're definitely going to get into uh, later in the podcast, but to stabilize a human being and to ground them, I think Alan Watts is amazing. So, through the works of Alan Watts, I got more into deism, where I kind of acknowledged a divine being, a source, whatever you want to call it, but I, I didn't want to put any names on it. And yeah, I was just consuming a lot of Alan Watts content, and things got better. And at a certain point, I got into Neville Goddard. And that's where everything changed for me. Neville Goddard is basically the father, the god, the godfather of modern day law of attraction, law of assumption. A lot of these law of attraction uh, gurus that you see, I mean, including me, right, <laughs> got their stuff, <laughs> got their stuff from Neville Goddard, and they, they just give them give it their own spin. Um, but he really is the source for many of these things, and. His his material is hard to to process because it's really radical. It's like it's the most raw truth you will ever get. Um, mainly being that you are God, and that's that's a really big statement for people, and that it's, it's hard to it's hard to understand that for many people. Um, 
but I got into his works uh, for, I would say, three to four years, uh, just listening to his lectures and everything. And yeah, that definitely got things way better. All of a sudden, I went from being uh, affected by life to being the affect of life, right? Being mm. being the creator and, and actually uh, seeing life for what it was and seeing that. I, I looked back at my own past and I was like, okay, now it all makes sense. I I created my reality. Back when I was 13 and moved to this new neighborhood, there was nothing wrong. I created it all. And it sucks that it took me like 10 years to figure out, you know, 10 years of just like sitting in my in my room. Um, but at that moment on, it felt like it had to happen. And I started taking control of my life again. And I started pursuing uh, entrepreneurship again. I did it from time to time in the previous years, like some drop shipping here and there, like some uh, affiliate marketing. And um, I wanted to do drop shipping again with a friend of mine. So we built up this drop shipping store. And it was looking pretty nice. The store was looking nice and the niche was looking nice. We were like, okay, we're going to make some money with this. And all of a sudden he goes, bro, I'm going to, I'm going to quit this. I'm going to get into the NFT market. And at first I was kind of pissed. I was like, what, what, do you, what are you talking about? We're, we're building this thing. He was like, no, you don't get it. Like, this is the biggest opportunity ever. I'm going to go into it now. So then I started researching the NFT market. Um, I was like, I have to learn this market and the best way to learn about this market is to start trading. Um, big mistake. <laughs> NFT <laughs> NFT trading is the craziest thing you will ever like. Especially in that time, it was like the Wild West. Uh, it's it's extreme. Like it's insane. Like you can you can make insane money, but you can also lose all of your money at once. <laughs> and the second scenario basically happens with me. Uh, I I lost pretty much all my money. Uh, I remember one day losing like. 2k in one minute and that was i think like my last bit of money <laughs> uh, totally i lost like i would say 15 to maybe even more 15 to 20k uh and then yeah i was just like i was just laying in my bed just depressed i was like fuck i lost all my money what do i do now and then i was like you know i i am I just lost a lot of money, but those projects are making money. Whatever happens, they are making money. So I was, I thought, I'm a, I'm at the wrong side of the market. I need to I'm, I need to move sides. So I got more into like the creating the project side of things. And literally the day after, uh, I'm in this Discord and I I meet this other guy uh, who's also building up his project. Um. And actually, actually, not the day after. So I, I think a few weeks after. But the, I began like weeks of researching. And I just saw like how other people were doing it. And eventually I, I met this guy and um, he was mentioning his project and how it was really, really like popping off and everything. And yeah, we started working together. Like our relationship got better, like got really good. I started working in his project. And eventually um, it got to a point where we were both like, hey, we should we should like 
we should get an artist and we should actually make use of this uh, these crazy times and actually uh, create a project. So uh, we got a got a got a bunch of artists. We did a lot of outreach. Got a bunch of artists lined up, and we cho chose the best one, uh, an amazing artist from Brazil that uh, has worked with like huge names, like people like Kanye West, uh, like a lot of big companies. Also, people like Ty Dolla Sign. Um, I think Motorola, Google, like, like, is uh, like a well-established artist and the most amazing art you will ever see. And he had this graphic novel, um, and we wanted to turn those that graphic novel into NFT pieces. Uh, we built like a huge team around this. Uh, eventually, of I think total twenty-three people at a like highlight days, and it was looking great. Like thousands of followers on on Twitter. And um, collaborations with 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 like a board ape yacht club, uh, like Alpha Group and Doodles Alpha Group, like big names was looking great um, until the market collapsed. So yeah, and the market collapse was just so big. We were like, okay, we don't want to waste this artist and waste these NFTs on in these uh, conditions. And yeah, I was back at square, square one again, because I, I like I generally thought this was going to be it, uh, because this project, like it was about to make at least two, two million, at least, and uh, I was like, okay, this is going to be it. I'm finally going to make it. <laughs> was that, and, was that in like pre-sale interest, or was that just like estimations you guys had? Yeah, just estimations and just based on the hype. We did everything organically. Like we literally did everything organically. We did, never did um we never did like ads or something. We we literally had the banner of the art on the Twitter on the Twitter page. And just just the banner was so sick that a lot of people were like in, in alpha it's called alpha groups. It's like it's like groups where they discuss upcoming projects. But there was so much hype in those groups already that we got like hundreds of followers from them. And then just compiled and just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and it was all organically. So we knew that if we could get to like thousands of followers organically, we could like, we could sell it out easily. Um, and then, you know, if you do the calculations with like collection size and the price that you think is doable, with with the NFT industry, you can come to uh, pretty crazy prices, and um, yeah. So I was kind of back at square one. I was like, okay, what do do? What do I do now? Um, I started thinking about what. So this is this is basically the best question you can ask yourself if you want to start a business. I I asked myself, what is the most value I could possibly give people i was i was like okay do i have do i have skills so i started thinking about possible skills that i have and i started thinking and thinking and thinking and i got to a point where i was like okay this is kind of disappointing i don't have any i don't have that many skills <laughs> i was like okay <laughs> that sucks uh and then a quote from never got it popped in my mind which was the best thing you can do for a man is tell him who he is, mm. which is the 
creator, right? Um, and I was like, objectively, that is the best thing you can do. Like that is the most value you can possibly give to people. It's giving them the law and giving them that that position of creator because that's what I did. That's the only thing that I have to offer. That's I went to all that shit. So I at least know what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, because of people like Naval, I know what to do. So yeah, I started getting into coaching and put out a few stories. I was like, I'm gonna do free coaching calls. A lot of people hopped on on board and wasn't I wasn't even prepared, but it, they were like they were like the most amazing emotional coaching calls ever. And uh, I was like, okay, like I can actually do this. And yeah, now we're here. Uh, past few ta- like months have been mostly validation of my offer and validation of my coaching skills and validation of like the right techniques because. Uh, the thing with Naval Goddard is that his work, like I said, it's it's hard to it's hard to process for a lot of people. So, what I'm mainly focusing on right now uh, is creating a way for mainly entrepreneurs to use reality creation um, where they can understand it and where it has the biggest ROI. Because what I'm seeing right now is that most people still get stuck on understanding all of this stuff. And then the results just kind of drop down. So um, I know that I have an immense scaling uh, a possibility, but I've been holding back just because I want to get this right. Like I want to, I want to create a manifestation technique or system that just works and um, doesn't take that much processing i would say right yeah no i think that um well first of all thank you for sharing your story at large and uh (laughs) i have a a bunch of like mental notes i was taking to go back to but as far as like where you're at i think it's super important that you're putting priority on products like being obsessed with the result because that's how you have true one value but like growth as like even from a business perspective right like if you get these early clients through all the outreach and you don't make massive change in their life or or meaningful change then they're not going to be ones to like preach your gospel to like really like live and die on the word that you've given them and like whether it's from an energetic perspective just like putting good out into the world to get more back to yourself or even from a business perspective like from affiliates it's like people recommending you is going to be the best way that you're going to find the next group of people to have an impact on their life. And, you know, what's cool about this, this space is that we're helping people realize their, their potential, like in like a very simple, broad way that applies to both of us, letting people recognize how in control they can be and the steps to get there. Um, And what's really cool. And we can kind of, I want to kind of talk about this broadly, but like, like you noticed with religion and science and I'm, I'm coming to a lot of the same realizations too, is that it's all telling the same story. It's just using different words. And so in the same way, like I honestly think there's a lot of overlap in what you and I are helping people do and how we're helping, but like the words that we're using and the techniques that we're saying are unique to our story personally, which is why it's an authentic um, value and authentic authentically shared 
you know, I can't speak to true derealization and like your journey. Like, so I, it would be inauthentic for me to try to be a reality creation like person. But I also, you know, whether you, whether you call it stoicism, whether you call it from human psychology, like internal locus of control, or whether you call it manifestation and visualization, like realizing, yeah, like you are at the center, your perception defines what reality is to you and you can go and make it whatever you want. Like you're the, in the driver's seat, like that is the, that's the message. And however many times we want to say it over and over. And it's important for you and I, and many more people to say it so that the world can hear it because the more people that are conscious, awake and aware, the more safe our world will be. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree, man. Totally agree. And, you know, I, I believe that, you know, the, the law is there and whether you, whether you use it consciously or unconsciously, you're still using it, right? Mm -hmm. You walk around and the law of gravity also has an effect on you. Uh, you can't not not choose. You, you cannot be like, oh, no, screw this. I'm just going to go flying. No, the law still <laughs> applies to you. <laughs> and, you know, the thing is, I think what you're doing, Zach, is, once again, it's amazing work. And what you're doing is, yes, you are giving people that create a role. And I think uh, I, I have a really esoteric way of looking at things, of course, like I have like reality creation things, looking at of things. But I think you are using the law of attraction assumption because you were telling people to watch their thoughts, right? You're telling people to watch their actions and and to do things consciously. So um, like, like you said, it's like a lot of it, there's a lot of roads to Rome. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah, no, I, I, I heard a, I got on a call the other day with this guy kind of caught in the fray of cold outbound. It ended up just being kind of this really positive conversation. He's um, didn't end up wanting to like come into the program, but like we just started talking about life and uh, shout out Braxton if you're listening. Um, but he was saying that like the way his perspective and like a metaphor he uses is that it's not that there's different roads to take in life, but everyone's climbing to the top of the mountain and you see your path, but you're all climbing around it. So like you might not see these other directions, but like if you were to go back to the base of the mountain and then start up a different direction, you would have a completely different journey. But the point is like you're all summiting to this one truth with capital T um, <clears throat> and re kind of a realization of, yeah, like creator, source, God is in you and around you and like this one connectedness and it, it the illusion was the separation there was never actually yeah. that like you it's not really like coming into like oh i'm the creator now it's like no you always were you're just now yeah. identifying as the observer and can like actually exactly. see it happen that's the that's the play that's the big game that's the big illusion we're here on this on this planet and naval says uh god became man so that man be, may become god Right. Mm. It's it's we have forgotten who we are. And that's that's part of that's part of the game. That's part of the play, because we're not going to take this seriously if we know that we are God, if we that we if we know that our essence is divine. That's why there was a certain requirement when this all started that we had to forget who we were. Yeah. Now I, I heard something really awesome on a different, a different podcast. It was definitely diving really into the esoteric and a question that I think is natural to come up 
when you start learning this stuff is like, okay, well, if, if we are in this creator role, we're also simultaneously all powerful and there's no like true separation between creator and created then what well, yeah first of all why forget second of all like even going into like energetics like why was met the masculine separated from the feminine and it was like the one became two for the joy of becoming one again is like the way mm-hmm. he phrased it and, and i think it is really beautiful because yeah like otherwise there is no story it would just be kind of one continuum almost like a static line and so this way it creates this kind of like broader beautiful per picture but I think we could go back, bounce back and forth to the same, the same <laughs> thing. I want to, I want to go back to, you mentioned stepping away from your religious upbringing um, as that first step. And then going into kind of like over idolizing science as a, as a religion itself, what was your religious upbringing? And then how did you find yourself rebounding from science and into kind of esoterics? Yeah. So it was traditional, uh, like traditional Islam. Um and yeah, bounce from that away to like hardcore science and anti-religion. Um, and yeah, I just saw like, so something that I didn't like was the dogmas. And I didn't like, I didn't like about both in the beginning. Um, and then, yeah, I, I saw the same dogmas in, in, in science, like I said. I, I came upon the work of this one guy called Rupert Sheldrake. And I don't know if you know him, but he does a great job of explaining just how dogmatic science is and just how they've basically built a lot of science on upon these unquestionable truths. Um, and whenever you want to say anything about them, you can't because that kind of brings down the whole foundation, right? Um, so I just started finding out about this, about these things. And, you know, honestly, after seeing that, I started kind of looking back into religion as well. So, uh, the thing is with Islam and every religion, they have mystical sects. So Islam has Sufism, right? And I started kind of looking back at, at that and I was like, okay, that's interesting because, if you look at what Sufi Muslims say, it's really non-dualistic. Like it looks like Buddhism. It looks like a lot of the things that we are mentioning here. Um, and and they have this thing called oneness of being as well. They actually acknowledge that uh, divinity is within us. And so, you know, the, the process was first, at first I thought that religion was um nothing but a controlling mechanism you know this the standard things then i went to science and i was okay science sucks as well (laughs) then i kind of looked back at religion and because i was going through such a turbulent time and like going through this existential crisis and going to uh this 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 realization of what i thought reality was actually actually like i i did come to a point where i looked back at religion and i was like oh no this stuff is all metaphorical. Like this stuff is actually true, but it's just metaphorical. This is actually the truth. And these stories are actually true, but they're also metaphorical. And the the way 
knowledge is kept for thousands and thousands of years, probably tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of humans is through stories. The same stories that we've been telling ourselves, like surrounded, surrounding campfires. And these stories are actually meta-truths. So, and, and definitely through the works of Jordan Peterson, I started respecting religion more. And I started respecting the religion that I came from more. Nowadays, I have a better relationship with, with the religion. There's still, you know, look, I'm not the most religious guy, but... There's this acknowledge like I I I currently I acknowledge that a lot of it is true, but it's metaphorical, and 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 that it's essentially good. That's why that's that's kind of the sequence. Now I'm back at okay, religion is good. It it maybe is not uh, the best thing ever for me. I'm not like I said, I'm not the most religious guy, but I do value it enormously. And I think that the world actually needs religion right now. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. There's a few things there. One, yeah, with Jordan Peterson, I, you may have also been exposed to uh, Joseph Campbell as well, the, the concept of the monomyth, um, like the one story that has been told through all of myth throughout time. He's been kind of criticized in the literature a little bit, but I think it's a pretty fascinating um, kind of theorem that he proposes that like there is this one hero's journey and it's like uniform to all the stories that have been told. Um, the granularity of how they are told is different, but there's like, you can look up the diagram online um, and basically there's like this like, continual circle where it's like call to action, denial of the call, um, crossing the threshold. And anyway, so he kind of like takes this universally told story and it's interesting to look across human history as we are given it and it's recorded is that like regardless of people groups race areas times that kind of story is told over and over again so it speaks to like what you were saying like a meta truth and then with religion yeah i do agree that you know i think when you look at the i, I try to in my mind i separate the institution of religion which I think is tainted and a mechanism of control and like kind of a power Definitely. thing. I mean, you can just look at the yeah. fact that massive churches are uh, tax exempt like entities. Yeah. And, then, and then also look at the interplay with like the kind of powers that be, if you will, the people that are really trying to do some harm to the world. Like the fact yeah. that, you know, uh, the like WEF is like closely linked to the Vatican and all these other kind of like really scary like big players in religion and and Islam not being exempt, Christianity not being exempt, like they all have those. Like the institution itself, I think is tainted, but the 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 meta truth is like that will stand the test of time. The story was, you know, God breathed truth throughout all of these holy books, um, and it's kind of one of those things where yeah, like you can look at the way that people came around to starting to weaponize it and like put people in boxes and start taking donations. And we, we, we like this people group. So we're going to say that they're allowed, but this other one is not. Um, and religion is, it's a great way to control huge amounts of people because like money is one thing, but when you Lord like eternity over someone's head and say like, if you don't behave in the rules we say, then you're going to be in eternal suffering it's a pretty convincing argument for most people. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, like the the institution is is where I kind of separate the value. But I do agree that right now the world needs religion because they need the truth. They need 
truth of the capital T people need to be aware of what's going on. Yeah. And then also recognize that, and this is one question I want to ask you that there is good. And I was curious, what do you, do you believe in good and evil? Are, are you like fully into the non-detached? There is no good or evil. It just is, or like, where do you stand on that? That's a good question. Yeah. I think, I think there is good and evil. And I think human beings are more inclined to good. I definitely think that whether God is personal and cares is another question whether there is good or evil i definitely think yeah i think i think there is i think there is i, I haven't put that much thought in this <laughs> as you can see uh i'm more like i'm more like concerned with reality creation i don't i think at the end of the day it doesn't matter i think so what neville says is sinning is just missing the mark just missing the point you're missing the point and i think that is essentially what what you could say is bad because that's look the thing is i believe that you are me i look at you and i see myself i look at other people and i see myself right if you have that belief there why would i do something bad to another person because i'm doing it to myself so what people like neville goddard say and like like i said a lot of my philosophy comes from him um is that Sinning is just missing the mark, like missing the point of it all, missing the point of that everything is divine, that everything is one. And you could say that is bad. Yeah, you can define that as bad. But you can also define it as missing the point of life. Right. Or you, you know? can define it as good because from somebody's perspective, bad for me is good for you, vice versa. Yeah. yeah and that's the thing. That's where we are creators of our own world whatever you believe is going to be true in your world and whatever I believe is going to be true in my world because reality is nothing but a projection of your mind, right? And at the end of the day, if somebody has really like crazy beliefs in your eyes, they might be good in their eyes and they might create a world where they'll just be doing anything they want and there won't be consequences, that's the thing and that's that's like that's what i believe i think i think i think uh the life principle as i call it source whatever you want to call it is is neutral and we have we have the capability to direct this uh, essence to whatever we want and we can use it for bad uh people like neville say you can use it for bad as well but don't do it use it use it use it lovingly and uh he he operates from the golden rule from the Bible. He basically uses Bible only. And this is also the reason why I started looking at religion differently because mm -hmm. the Bible is basically the manifestation guide, the biggest manifestation guide. You just need to read the Bible. It's the only thing you need. It's everything is in there about manifestation. Um, and, and the Bible says, don't do upon others as you don't do to others what you don't would do. not have want them to do it to you exactly exactly that that's the golden rule so yeah just don't do that i would say because <laughs> because if you if you have the belief that i have that you're basically doing it to yourself so why do it <laughs> I, I, yeah no i i think i i agree um broadly i want to do i do want to follow because i'm curious on your perspective i struggle with you know when you learn more about this kind of stuff I want to know how you balance in your mind that truth 
that, you know, reality is a mirror, like you're, it's reflected, like everything is a reflection of what kind of, or a projection of what you're putting back into the world. So for instance, if somebody treats you poorly in a relationship or you're building a business and you're not seeing the results that you want, or you get fired from a job or somebody beats the shit out of you on the street, like where do you draw the line of individual responsibility? Because for instance, I would say like, it's like the relationship realm is a great place to take extreme ownership and say like, okay, let's actually like work our way back and like realize where I made mistakes, whether it was the initial attraction because of an attachment style to a person that's not going to be like loving and good enough for me or the behavior in the relationship I became too attached or too distant or whatever the specifics are for your relationship. I think there's a lot of lessons to learn about yourself and you can say like, okay, I was pretty much responsible for the result that happened you know, like they are a different person doing their thing, but I can say that like they were brought into my life because of X reason. And if it doesn't work out, then it was for me to learn the lesson and attract the right person eventually. But another instance that I would say, like me just like walking down the street and somebody treating me poorly, talking shit, whatever, where do you draw the line at? Like, cause at some point, if it's like, if you constantly are like, literally everything is my fault then it could be like this infinite anxiety because you have to one, decide what you do with your day to day, which is a mm-hmm. task in of itself. But then you're like, well, why aren't they doing the thing that I want them to? And maybe it's the attachment to the result, right? But like, where do you draw the line of individual responsibility and then kind of just moving through your day to day? I think everything is uh, your responsibility. Even the bad things that happen in your life, um, I believe that you attracted them, which is hard to digest for a lot of people um but i think that everything you attracted or it might even like look there might be reasons why you have to go through that right sometimes the universe might throw some shit your way because you actually need to experience some shit (laughs) and uh we're talking about the nature of the universe which is extremely complex and but I, I I think I think I think there's somewhat of a duality between those both things like where you have ultimate responsibility for everything you um, manifest because everyone is you pushed out everybody is your thoughts pushed out your mental conversations they're gonna manifest in in the form of people or circumstances. Um, but at the same time, let's say, and I, I give this I give this example uh, sometimes in my coaching. Let's say you start doing a manifestation technique um, where you're making more money, right? You have a job and you want to make more money. You do you do you do a manifestation a visualization technique where you're making more money. Okay, you've done you've done it the right way. Something that might happen is you being fired from your job. But that needs to happen then at that moment because you're going to be fired from your job and you're going to probably find a better job, right? So the universe works in a way where sometimes in order to complete the manifestation, some bad shit has to happen in your life. And that's also a good way of looking at bad periods in your life. So that's how I look at my past because like all those years, 
in my room, I did have a feeling that one day I would be doing a podcast like this and I would be talking about it. So this is for me also a crazy experience. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, sometimes things have to happen. And, and the only thing that I can say about this is that anything bad that happens, try to try to think first and foremost, uh, how did, how, why did this happen? Because you created it somehow. Uh, and if it is, if it is the case of like, like I said, the, um, losing the job thing, like the universe giving you the bad thing first. Okay. Have that assumption, have the assumption that whatever bad happens to you has a, needs to happen because it's like a sequence and it, the, that sequence needs to happen for the next sequence to happen, right? This like a frames of a movie, um, have that assumption at all times. Um, that's the only thing I would say. And besides that, look, we don't know what we don't know. I'm just a human being. <laughs> uh, reality is, is, is complex. So I might as well be super wrong. The more, the more you, you find out about this stuff, the more you find out about how oh, we know, know nothing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm not looking for uh, you to kind of back politically a, a stance that you um, would take and die on a hill for. I'm just curious to pick your brain because I think these musings, this this conversation, like any human being, like any person that were to claim to have figured it out, it's like I tell the guys in my program, like I'm not a modern day prophet. I'm not here to teach. I'm just here to help you, show you things that I've learned and helped me and then hopefully have that effect change in your life um, and so any of this stuff, I think it's just sharing lessons and because we are all kind of trying to relearn, like if it, if, if it is this grand forgetting, then we all can learn from each other and help each other learn. Um, and I, I think what you said is definitely something that I land with, um, which is like the law of inner purpose versus outer purpose. And I talk about this in my program. There's like a whole week on purpose, like finding your purpose. Cause I think as men specifically, it's beyond critical to operate with a mission and a purpose. It is like aligned with the masculine energy, driven, achievement oriented, all that stuff. And so it's important to be doing that, not just like clicking away at a keyboard to get like fucking consulting money from some company that doesn't owe you shit and they don't know you anyway. I'll get off the soapbox. But like it's uh, one of those things that is, I think, is super important, but people malalign or they sit there and they're like, well, I don't know my purpose with like a capital P. So I'm depressed and like, how do you like how do you figure it out and it is a big aqueous issue but the truth is that your outer purpose will change when you're a kid your outer purpose is to be playful explore be a little student play with legos go outside play your sports like be an athlete in this sport and then you break your leg and you play a different sport and whatever and then you get to high school and now your outer purpose is a high school student and then you get to college and then you get a job and all those things change and then eventually your dad and your outer purpose is shifting but the truth is the i behind all of that who you are your inner purpose was always being realized like you're talking about <clears throat> like the 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 sequence of events is happening on purpose in order exactly how it's supposed to and even the bible <clears throat> the christian bible says this right like it says Oh yeah. It's like, don't like when you pray, don't, when you pray to God it, and you expect things to happen, it, it happens on God's time and it's happens according to God's plan for you. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I was brought up in the Christian faith. And so what they would say is like, Oh, like trusting God's plan for you because you don't know how it's going to manifest eventually 
into the new reality, right? Like you pray for mm-hmm. peace in your life and your girlfriend breaks up with you and you're like, now I'm sad because my girlfriend broke up. It's like, well, maybe that was to bring you peace. Or mm-hmm. for instance, you ask, you know, there's like a, a lot of this like masculinity, these theme pages on Instagram. So like, you'll see like, don't pray for, if you pray for uh, strength, God might give you fucking hard times, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to get stronger somehow. So be careful with the words you use and we can go into some of that stuff. Like be careful what you ask for because you will get it and it just may not come to you as the way you expect. And so the way you hurt yeah. yourself is having that expectation. Yeah. And now that you say it, before this existential crisis of mine, I remember distinctly praying to God and asking for the truth. Right. Mm. And who knows? Maybe, maybe I had to go through that whole, whole thing just to like get rid of all the beliefs, destabilize, and then build up from the foundation again. Who knows? You know, so it's it's always nice to have this view of life, just to think, okay, this happened for a reason, this happened for a reason. What is the lesson here? What is the lesson here? What's the lesson here? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think it's another one of those things with perception in general. And I, I just recently did a podcast on perception, but like you have to choose to feel some way, right? And and like there's a McGregor like audio clip, and he's like, you have to choose to feel some type of way. Why not feel unbeatable? And it is true. Like, even if you're going through shit, you have nothing to prove, nothing to point back to. You're like, you're quote unquote a failure by external sources, but you could be living on the street. Why not feel like a billionaire? Why not just sit there and say like, like for me, something I'm starting to say is instead of saying like, I haven't made it or, you know, not a multimillionaire yet. I heard this from Jesse Eitzler. He's like a really famous, like started in music anyway massive like i'm pretty sure he's a billionaire with a b but definitely a multimillionaire. and he said when he was in the studio grinding like with him and his boys way back in the day he was just like we're all multi-millionaires bro like they just haven't paid us <laughs> yet they just haven't paid us yet. and i fucking yeah. love that it's like that's how i'm starting to talk is like i know i will become a multi-millionaire they just haven't paid me yet. The world just hasn't sent the money my way because I just don't need it right now. Quite frankly, if someone were to drop yeah. multi-million dollars on my lap, like I wouldn't leverage it to the best ability that I will be able to in the future. Like I have a lot to learn about how to use finances. Where would I direct that to be have the most impact on the world, the most positive change? And right now, I don't know that. I have to step and learn towards it. So the fact that the income is coming slower than millions of dollars a day it's okay. Yeah. Eventually it will get to that kind of place. And that is like my faith and belief. And so starting to talk to, about myself and to myself like that, where it's like, you are a multimillionaire. You're not poor. You're not like, like a, an entrepreneur trying to make it. You already made yeah. it like that. That's a check in the bank. It's just dated for the future. Yeah. It's, it's what I call the delayed mirror effect. Um, so you're right. You are, you are a multimillionaire. You're a multimillionaire in your imagination right? Which you probably saw a video of mine about this. Like I, I see imagination as the real reality. And I see this as nothing but an illusion as a projection of imagination, right? Um, the thing is, you could view it like a, a mirror with a delay. So you're standing in front of the mirror with your millionaire self, but you don't see the reflection yet, right? You have to keep standing in front of the mirror, because let's think, let's think for, for a moment. This is, this is like a safety mechanism in the universe where 
let's imagine a universe where everything you imagine uh, just instantly manifests. That's that's a universe where we could not live. So that's why there's a safety mechanism where you have to persist in the imagination. You have to persist with the assumption. That's why it's called the law of assumption. You have to wake up and sleep with the assumption that you are a multimillionaire. And that's why it helps to have uh, a worldview where you look at reality as nothing but a projection because then you can detach and you can uh, place less importance because that's the biggest enemy of manifestation is importance. Because if you take what we call reality seriously and you see lack, you're going to look at that lack and you're going to look at it as, as if it's a fact. When you do that, you're going to manifest more of that. So one of the best ways to manifest, and that's why I said that, that Naval's work is hard to digest for many people because he really emphasizes this. He really emphasizes uh, uh, having a view of reality as, as if it's an illusion. It took me years to get there and I'm still getting there. Like I'm still, I still, still need to keep reminding myself of this. Um, but when you, when you have this assumption, things get better and manifestations happen quicker because you're like, it's just a delayed mirror. I'm standing in front of the mirror. The reflection just has to show. It's just, uh, it's just the universe that's taking some time, but I'm, I'm already it. I'm, I'm, I'm that guy. Yeah. I love that. And, uh, this kind of, what is the answer to a question I specifically wanted to ask because it's something I, you know, have to go back back and forth and balance in my mind. And I was curious about how you frame it. Um, how do you balance, you know, you're trying to build your business, right? You have goals and aspirations for yourself. You have a, a vision board and, you know, affirmations, you have a vision of what that future you looks like. So how do you balance being goal oriented, working towards a goal, and being focusing on you want, like manifesting, visualizing, all this stuff, but also being content and present in the moment and like living in a place of abundance. Because I, in my mind, I'm like having a hard time conceptualizing, like I want to manifest something in that acknowledgement. It's that like, I don't have it now. So how do yeah. you make sure you're coming from abundance? A good question. So what I use, and this is also the main uh, the main model that I use in my coaching. It's called the being, doing, having paradigm. And then you there's the having ties back into the doing. So it's a feedback loop. Uh, so what happens with most of societies that they focus on the doing only, and they they have this massive action way of thinking where, oh yeah, just grind, just do the work every day, just do the work and you'll get there. And that is true. It does work, but uh, an, uh, an, um, an example that I always give is let's let's imagine a sales guy that has a starving family, okay? And he has this offer and he needs to sell it. His family is starving. He needs to make money now. So there's a lot of necessity, right? He's, but he, he hates doing sales. He's not a sales guy, but he, he needs to do it. So his being is not aligned to the doing part. What he has to do. So he starts doing, he starts doing, he starts doing, he does the sales calls. Eventually he does a like 100, 200 sales calls, whatever. He starts getting results in the having part and that having will tie back into the being. And eventually this guy will actually feel like a salesperson. He will actually, his being will become a salesperson. 
So why I sketch out that scenario is just to tell you how low the chance of that actually happening is, right? Because what did I tell you? There is a huge amount of necessity. So because of that necessity, he could start by doing without his being being aligned. And he could push through. But the thing is, when you do this, it's like it's like trying to drive a car with a parking brake on. There's a lot of resistance. You're basically fighting nature. And this is the reason why most people, when they get on a new endeavor of like entrepreneurship or drop shipping or whatever, they build up they build up one store and then maybe they make some money and then it fills and they're like, okay, what did I do? Well, your being was not aligned. Your being is not an entrepreneur. You just started doing what you started doing unconsciously. So how I would tackle this, this question is, sure, have the goals, but write them down and be like, okay, what is, who is the person that has these goals? Mm. So you write down this Zach 2.0, this revenue, let's say like 100K a month Zach. Well, what is 100K a month Zach doing? Okay, this, that. Okay, what does he... How does he think? What is his day like? So this is basically like the whole beginning trajectory of my coaching. It's where we're defining the character. First, we're defining the desired reality. Then we're going to define the character that has the desired reality. And then we're going to step into those shoes. So at a certain point, it's going to be being is uh, X character, right? And then we're going to do because we are. Instead of because we want to, instead of do because we want to become, mm. and then when you start putting this frame of thinking in your mind, where you're telling yourself, "I'm the kind of guy that does this. I am. I am already. This is a good one. I'm the kind of guy that does this. I'm the kind of guy that does the work. I'm the kind of guy that uh, gets the clients. I'm. I'm a hundred k Zach. Right. <laughs> this is what I do, and then you start doing because you are and that's when the magic happens um because then the being actually is aligned to the doing and then you're you're like there's no resistance anymore you can just work because you are that person yeah i well first of all i love that frame that like feedback loop it speaks i don't know maybe it's the logical part of my brain like i think that stepping pattern it, it makes a big issue very clear and also i love playing with this idea like you said like driving with the parking brake and forcing resistance. I think I, one thing I'm trying to be very intentional with in my life and just like moving forward is choosing peace and flow. Like if you are forcing anything in your life, it is wrong or you're going about it in a wrong direction or you're doing some component of it wrong. And that like easy example always is relationships. Like if you're always like pouring, like vying for someone's attention, like trying to force a relationship to work out. What if we try this? What like, everyone can like observe that person if that was their friend they're like you're forcing it bro like just let go like it, everything's gonna work out and like i think life broadly we've been somewhat maybe not poisoned but like misdirected with like the like you said the hustle culture like obsessing in the pain obsessing in the resistance uh and and moving towards like meta goals i think incremental goals yeah you have to res embrace resistance like you want to get stronger you have to put your muscles under fatigue and resistance and if you want of to build course, a business yeah. you're going to have to do daily action that takes time and isn't easy and you may not like every minute of it but the point is if you're just like 
scraping your knees on the ground every single day, like some component of that is wrong. And a lot of times it is that stepping back and getting into the identity of the thing that you're trying to become, because then it does genuinely flow, right? Like imposter syndrome is hard when you are the person who has never made content. This is me projected back, you know, almost 10 months ago now, like I had not posted a video of myself online ever speaking, right? Like sitting down for my first podcast was putting my headphones in, going to a quiet room and recording just audio on my iPhone. And it was like this huge internal dialogue, like who wants to hear me speak? What do I even sound like on a microphone? Like, and there was no identity. I was not a person who had a podcast. I was not someone who does a podcast, who shares his thoughts. But now there has been enough doing and also realigning with the identity that like, this is what I do. In the yeah. 10 months of building this business, I have gone from working a full-time engineering job to quitting it, to doing this. Like I am an entrepreneur and the whole time I was just telling myself and getting more comfortable in this is who I am. This is not who I want to be. It is just, yeah. and the only delay was 10 months of work. It was 10 months of waiting. It was 10 months of balance. But like when I decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur and it, theoretically it goes back to like when I was a kid and wanting to be an entrepreneur, you're I'm in it. Like I'm, I'm like, I wake up every day and like, even now, like I don't get, I'm so caught up in the work. A lot of times I don't get to pinch myself and be like, holy shit, like you're in the life, bro. Like you're in it now. Um, mm. And so it's really exciting to like, realize that like you called it the delayed mirror like finally see that reflection and now create what i want as the next reflection and whether it's five years two months ten years whatever like certain aspects of my life they will come in time but it's pretty cool to i don't know that agentic view is basically kind of the gospel i'm trying to preach at large and whether it's just people who listen to my podcast or guys that really do the work and join the program I love to see people like, cause it's a full transformation. You see it in their eyes, the way they move, the way they talk. When people realize like they're in the driver's seat, life is so rich cause you're no longer just getting splashed around in the waves. Like you're surfing the wave. And you made a beautiful remark there as well, like about seeing the reflection. And um, this is something that I learned from one of my uh, coaches, quasi to here, uh, the use of confirmations and how you can increase the speed of the manifestation by doing that, right? So as you stand in front of that mirror, you're going to see parts of your reflection. And it's important to acknowledge them. It's important to confirm them. And the problem with, with us human beings is that we have a incredibly negative tendency. We have the tendency to use negative confirmations because that's how we survive for hundreds of thousands of years back in the days when you know there was a saber-toothed tiger it was like oh fuck saber-toothed tiger negative thing pay attention to that right uh, it wasn't like oh look at how beautiful these trees are no it's like we 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 have the we have the inclination to look at the negative stuff so this is something that i do with my clients as well is i i have like a, a confirmation channel my discord and they need to send confirmations in there whenever they see a confirmation they need to send it in there and that kind of shifts their mind where all of a sudden they're looking for the good stuff right and and it would actually it would actually fucking surprise you if you if you actually paid attention to the good stuff for 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 a bit how much good stuff actually is happening in your life 
but it's just that the human inclination is to look at the negative stuff. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, honestly, life is this super weird battle of like almost fighting your nature or maybe it's fighting the evil or whatever you want to call it, but it's fighting like the the path of no resistance, but it ends up being a path of math, massive resistance when you're your own worst enemy, whether it's imposter syndrome or focusing on negative outcomes or, um, you know, like I've done a podcast on here before about how to win friends and influence people. The reason that those techniques that Dale Carnegie talks about with interacting with other people work is because people at large are not doing them. For instance, he talks about letting the other people speak more, letting them be the center of attention. The point is, if you are using the technique, you're putting them at the center of attention and not you, but your nature is to be at the center of attention and always be the one being focused on. And so it, that is one of those things you need that constant reminder. It's why I reread that book specifically multiple times a year because you have to re-indoctrinate yourself constantly. And so the negative thing, that that is pretty fascinating. I've heard that evolutionary example. It's like, to I think it was on Modern Wisdom with Chris Williamson, but he was saying like, yeah, like you have, we had to survive because if you didn't focus on the bad thing, the bad thing ate you. And now we're <laughs> left with the, yeah. we're left with the consequences of the evolutionary consequences of that because we live in a world with like, total abundance and minimal life threats on the day to day. You know, I'm not, obviously you're probably not hearing this podcast if you live in like war torn Sudan or something, but like there are places that are dangerous, but as far as the broad audience that is going to hear this, your life is generally safe, generally stable. We have a lot to be thankful for. And yeah, it's, it's about the exercises. It's why in my program, one of the things on your daily, like to-do list is morning mindfulness. Like, and in the morning mindfulness is three things you're grateful for. Because if you start every single day with gratitude, it's really hard to not frame the rest of the day in a state of abundance and say like, oh, like these were three things before I even did anything today. I already have these. And if you were to really kind of just sit down and like maybe challenge yourself, like write until you can't think of something that is you're grateful for, you'd have pages on pages on pages on pages because there is so much, right? Like even the the ability for us to sit here for over an hour and muse about the how the world works and how like the reality exists and the universe at large and all this stuff, that is a privilege. Like we can be grateful to like even think about this stuff because if we were, yeah. like you said, more in a survival state, like true fight or flight starvation mode, maybe in South Sudan or some other harmful, dangerous place of the world, we don't, those people don't get the privilege to think about what is the world, what is reality, what is creation. It's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You can think about like mm -hmm. the chakras, like there's a basal need to be alive and be safe. That is taken care of and likely a few more levels above that. So now we're getting into like the blessing of reaching the top of that pyramid, which is like self-actualization, um, which is a fun space to be in. And I feel, you know, lucky and blessed to do so and help other people start to, you know, climb that. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's uh, super fascinating. Yeah, and that's that's also the reason why nowadays it's so important to start with the being. Right? That's why my where my whole coaching is based on. Start with the being. Because you, so you described it perfectly. We don't have the necessity anymore, especially in Western society. We don't have the necessity anymore. We know that if shit hits the fan, we're pretty much fine. Even like I'm from the Netherlands. Even, even if you fuck up, like, I don't know what, you're, you're still going to get a salary or going to get some money from the government. They're going to help you out. 
<laughs> you're gonna get probably gonna get a, a cheap apartment as well. You're gonna you're gonna be fine. You're gonna be fine. Like so, that has created the situation where honestly a lot of people are suffering because of that because they they look at uh this this rich lifestyle you know trend on instagram and they look at all these things and they're like i want to get that as well and then they look at the same instagram videos but then about like about like grind hustlers mindset go hard work and then they're like, okay, yeah, that's true. So I have to work hard to get there. Okay. And then they actually try to do the work and they get stuck. And then they blame themselves. So there is they resist the resistance. They make things wor worse. They make things worse. So they get they end up. I see this with my own life uh, in the past. <laughs> like I just made things worse and worse and worse because I was like, oh, how am I not productive? Why am I not being productive? I, I thought that. I thought I had to be disciplined, but it wasn't about discipline. It was about assuming the being because the necessity, like if you don't, if the necessity is not there anymore, it's, 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 you know, I mean, it's can still, it can still happen. Sure. There's a lot of people who start with doing and the being is not aligned and it like they, they end up rich as fuck. That happens, right? That happens a lot. Um, but it's still a minority. It's a minority. Most people who try to do without the being being aligned, they're gonna fail. Like I said, they're they're driving the car with a parking brake on. I I think I agree, but I would also caveat that and say that like I don't think that I think it is almost it's like kind of a fallacy to assume that those paths are kind of different because I think uh, belief has to come before action. For instance, someone wouldn't act if somewhere deep, deep, deep inside that they didn't believe that they could have it or could be it. So like action is almost always, is almost always a manifestation of belief. Now it might not be, a fully it might not be fully aware. And that's like when you get like really good results. And like you said, faster results and accelerate. But you know, I think it, fitness is always like a good example, but like, it's going to be hard to see yourself as a fit person in the mirror until you start doing the things that a fit person would. So like the first thing to do is just move the body, like start walking, take the little steps. And then eventually you'll wake up and just be a healthy person. So that's one of those things where you, you know, move the body to get the result. You know, Andrew Huberman talks, talks about it from a neuroscience science perspective where he says, I don't believe in controlling the mind with the mind. You have to control the mind with the body. So whether it's Wim Hof breathing exercises, exposing yourself to cold, training very rigorously, mm -hmm. you get mental results by moving the machine of the body and you can create, you know, they, they describe it in the science terms, all these like neuroendocrine signaling pathways and stuff. And it's all telling the same story, right? Like it's a, we've used different words on this podcast. Huberman uses a different set of words to explain it. And in the West, we've definitely, it is easier to be receptive when you use the scientific terminology. It's why in my program specifically, I kind of, I try to do multiple justifications and I say, choose your justification. The truth is the same behind them. I'm just going to try to use like mm -hmm. words that can hit different buckets because I find myself at like a unique midpoint where raised in like standard religion, studied world religion, apologetics, all this stuff in Christianity, went to like a very technical state university, high performing, biomedical engineering, technical, all this stuff, science, 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 right? Science became God. And then now I'm coming back into this like full circle knowledge and recognition of like the oneness of religion, spirituality, science is actually 
kind of telling exactly the exact same thing. It's making certain mm-hmm. assumptions, but like there still is God breathed truth in science. Of course. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's, I find myself kind of at that midpoint. So I like to help meet people where they are because their background might be more, they might receive truth better through a science lens or they might see, receive truth better through a spiritual lens. And the yeah. cool thing, I try to play from like a, de- a defenseless position where it's like, I'm not here to tell you what words you're going to like are going to sound good to your ears are going to be receptive. I'm just trying to help you see what could be possible, right? Like everyone, humans are, have this weird, and it's one thing I do want to ask about why do, why do you think we default towards negativity and fear and stuff outside of the evolutionary thing? Um, people also being so tribal, right? Like religions, it's like, this is my truth and this one has to be mine. And we're in this people group. And then this, this other group that uses different words and has different colored clothes and like whatever else they have their practices and we have both of these pretty buildings but like mine has a cross on top this one has a dome on top and so you know what i'm saying yeah. like why, why do you think uh why do you think people like cling so desperately onto things that tend to hurt them because bad emotions are still emotions it still makes you feel something mm. that, that's what it comes down to if you don't feel anything you would rather a lot of people uh would rather feel bad emotions than not, not feel anything right um, I think it comes down to the nature of the universe being exper- experiential, right? Like I said in the beginning of the po- the podcast, uh, uh, I look at it as all like a play. And the point of the play is to experience. And that's why I think as human beings, we have the, we at all times have the inclination to experience. If it's some, even if it's something bad, that's still an experience. So a lot of people like to experience bad things because that's still an experience. Yeah, that that is powerful and it's really deep because I also think about I haven't personally experienced it but I've, you know, I've met and spoken with and even had like partners that have like dealt with self self-harm and for me I've never been in that level of place where I've gotten to it but I do understand that like why would a human being get to a place where they're creating that kind of pain for themselves and i guess yeah like that is a good way to frame it where like it's choosing to feel something as opposed to nothing like escape from numbness kind of that's the sad end of the spectrum but the other choice like we talked about earlier you could choose to feel undefeatable you could choose to feel (laughs) aligned with the divine and the creator of your reality i think i want to move towards some of the closing questions i usually hit my guests with first off in your eyes what defines being a man what defines being a man that's a good question. I look at masculine. I think we talked about this a bit in the beginning of the call. We were talking about feminine and masculine energy and the duality between both. I think I think they both form a beautiful yin and yang. And I look at being a man as truly a spiritual endeavor and, you know, fulfilling that yin and yang. And it, look, there's a lot of men who have more feminine energy that exists, you know, and then they often end up with women who have more masculine energy. But then it's fine for them because that's the yin and yang, right? So I would rather talk about masculine and feminine energy. And I think as a man, if you feel like you have more masculine energy, you should acknowledge it and you should not let society tell you what to do with that. You should acknowledge it fully because the the masculine energy is there for a reason. Uh, Like I said, it's the yin and yang. And I think being a man... If you have, if you feel like you have more masculine energy, is acknowledging that energy and doing what that energy does, which is a outwards energy, 
right? Masculine energy is outwards. It goes and finds, it goes and hunts, it goes and 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 and, and uh, takes care of things. And um, I think being a real man that has that energy is about manifesting that energy into physical reality as well and acknowledging it. That's my answer. It's a good answer. I, I haven't had too much discussion yet on this podcast about like the spirituality and masculinity versus femininity. I don't know if you've read way of the superior man by David data, but like there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good content out there on masculine and feminine energy. I'm coming to learn more and more about my own, how it's balanced. How does it manifest in the relationships that one I seek out, but two come to find me. And yeah, no, I, I think it's a really, really good answer. And, and the, a good flavor of nuance that hasn't been presented before. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, and then second question, if you go back to a younger version of yourself and tell him one thing, what would that be? I would say your mind creates reality. So be careful of what you think. Mm, I love that. I love the simplicity. Very powerful. Yeah. And then the last one, what is one quote that has always stuck with you or that you try to live by? The truth is in the middle way. I like that one Who's because... I think it's from Buddhism, but that's something that I uh, am seeing more and more. And that's becoming a bigger, like a bigger and bigger quote in my life. Whenever you have two extremes, just assume that the truth is in the middle, <laughs> which it most of the times is not in the extremes. Right. Uh, that's what I try to live by now. That's why I often give a nuanced, nuanced way of looking at things. I like that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I was raised in a very like i don't think radicalized is fair but definitely like one end of a a spectrum like politically religiously etc and so you know that whole community all those people groups political parties whatever you know they claim that they're right like and, and i think that that should always be a sign where someone if someone like definitively says like no this is true this is the way it is this is exactly the one thing and all these other people are wrong because x y and z that's when you can start to genuinely maybe not maybe take it with a grain of salt right like mistrust like look for if that's one end of where the spectrum is where is the middle where is the balance and even with the masculine and feminine like the middle way like the being is you and you have both the masculine and feminine your midpoint is the like swimming like the yin and yang right there's two fish swimming in the pond but like the pond the pond is you are the pond like you're mm. not one or two of the fish. And if you become too identified with one or the other, then there's a mess and, and it's like malaligned. So anyway, yeah. we discussed an immense amount. I really value <laughs> this conversation. I value your time. Um, so thank you for it. I appreciate the free coaching and all the questions <laughs> uh, you answered uh, for myself and for those listening. Uh, I know there was a tremendous amount of value I've gained and likewise can imagine many other people will enjoy it when I get this out. I'll give you this time to share anything specifically you want to share with my captive audience. Um, let the people know what you're doing, where they can find you. Cause I'm sure after sitting through, you know, an hour, hour 20 plus of whatever this ends up being, <laughs> they'll, uh, they'll want to hear from more from you. Yeah. So uh, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm uh, currently in the scaling phase. I'm opening up my, my program um, and yeah, they can find me. They can find me at uh, on Instagram at Ash underscore Hadushi. So that's H A D O U C H I. Um, yeah, that's where they can find me. I post pretty much all of my content there. 
and it's like my base nowadays. So yeah. Cool. I will have your Instagram linked in the show notes, whether you're watching on YouTube, watching on Spotify, listening on Spotify, what listening on Apple pods, um, or if you've somehow managed to get it on another platform that I don't know about, <laughs> um, <laughs> that is where you can find his information. Um, Ash, I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, to those listening, you can follow myself at Z-D-S-C-H-E-N-K-E-N on Instagram, Twitter. And you can also follow along with the podcast and the program at Vitruvian Gentleman on Instagram. It's been an excellent one. I appreciate you taking the time. Remember, your time is your most valuable resource. So thank you for spending a little of them with me, Memento Mori. And I will see you on the next episode of the Vitruvian Man podcast. And if he fails, at least fails while daring great, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat.